Well, good morning, everyone, wherever you are, however you are. And we are so delighted that we can be here in this manner. This week has been a very busy one, I'm sure for all of you. Still trying to figure out how you will live in routine and order. And that is what the Lord put in us as men, women, children. Well, that's what we bring our children up to is learn how to walk in order. And so we have been learning new lessons. Even some of us who are parents and grandparents, learning how to encourage, how to walk together in these days. And I think that this is a combination, let's say, of the Lord's work. At least he let us know these days were coming. But the enemy is entrenched and he wants to own what he lost. This is not his world, and he wants to claim it, and every person he wants to claim to join him in judgment. And what a terrible thought, but we know the Savior, and that's what we're talking about today. Father, we thank you that in these days we have you, the rock. Our lives are not in upheaval, at least not on the inside, the Spirit of God and your word is in us. We hold in this position of resting in you. And through this time of trial, through this time of being sheltered at home, by your presence, by your mercy, lead us to that true rest in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you'll bless your word to each one of us who are here gathered around this passage of Joshua. I ask, Lord, that you would give me fluency and ability to communicate these very, very important chapters, the last two chapters. Father, open your word. Allow us to look into it and discover a secret that has been revealed over and over and over again but we have to come to a place of rest and realization that you are the rest giver. You are the one who gives us that peace that we need. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's begin in our reading. I don't know how many times we have read this, but it's fresh and new. And let's look at it with new eyes so that we understand. Hebrews 4, 8 to 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us therefore Make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same pattern of disobedience. And our outline this week for these two chapters is Joshua's farewell and Joshua's admonition, his recounting history, 
he covers most of the important bases. Joshua's fourfold covenant in the latter part of the book. So we've got work for us to do. Put our minds and our spirits together and let's discover something that I think is wonderful and it's a lifetime call to every one of us, old or young. This is the call of the scriptures and God's purpose for us. Joshua's admonition. You have seen the Lord fighting for you, he reviews in verses 1 to 3. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in years, that Joshua called for all of Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in years. I can relate to that. I'm saying it all the time these days, but Katie and I are enjoying the opportunity that we have. I can identify with Joshua. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. And as we kind of review Joshua, yes, the children of Israel had to take a full week of marching around Jericho. And on that last day, they marched seven more times around. And on the last, with a trumpet blast, the walls fell down and the enemy was overtaken and the city was destroyed. He who has been fighting for you right from the very beginning. And we need to understand that God's work is God's work. And he wants us to join in that, cooperate with him as Israel cooperated in marching around those many days. It seemed like they were going in circles, that they were wasting their time. And I'm sure some of us would have thought, what is the point of all this? And I believe the point of our life is that we demonstrate that this world belongs to him. And he is choosing for himself a people who will be obedient and follow him because he is the creator God. He is the victor. He is the one who made man. He knows what man is made of. And he brings us to that point of realizing that our efforts are like on a treadmill. But with God giving us instructions and bringing us to a place of going around in circles, it seems that he will bring the victory. He will bring his purposes to bear. Cling to the Lord, your God, in verses 6 to 8. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. And he's talking about these last days that Joshua led the people for all those years. 
Joshua's old, but he keeps keeping on. He doesn't give up. He clings to the Lord. He is diligent. And we'll move on here to point three. Take diligent heed. Love the Lord your God. How do we show diligence to the Lord? A simple four-letter word. Love. Not with a human love, although he wants our hearts, but a love and an adoration as a worship and an offering to him. Love the Lord your God. Do you see yourself as a lover of the God of heaven, our Savior, our Lord, our Christ? Is that where you are today? If you can say, yes, but, that's okay. Learn how to deal with the but in our life. For the Lord has drawn, verse 9, For the Lord has drawn out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you. And he proved that over and over again for Joshua and Israel. Just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourself to love the Lord your God. What an admonition. Keep that alive in your hearts. And the fourth point. He recounts to them by bringing them together, all of Israel, they presented themselves before God in chapter 24. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And I'm just skipping right through this passage and just track with me here. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. It was Abraham he called, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and Moses, and Aaron. And then in verse 6 he says, I brought you out of Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness for a long time. And they had their ups and downs for those 40 years. Point two, I was not willing to listen to Balaam. Well, you remember the story of Balaam. Barak, the king of Moab, had hired this prophet, but had said, go and curse Israel. So he sent Balaam to curse you, but he was forced to bless you. And I delivered you from his hand. You crossed the Jordan safely, and I gave you a land on which you had not labored. That is the wonderful thing, that last verse there, I gave you a land on which you had not labored. We need to understand something about the Lord and his dealings with us as his people. And let me get this straight. Our concept of getting something for free is ingrained in us these days. Not just in the generation that is coming up behind us, but even in my day, we wanted something for free. And when we got something for free, wow, we thought that was the greatest. But we'd come to find out the thing broke in about 15 minutes and it dashed your joy 
But this is what God gives us for us to cherish and to cultivate and to be partners with him in life on this planet. That is his original purpose, and I don't believe he's abandoned that. He continues to give us, well, even look at our computers here that we're looking at. Where did this come from? From Bill Gates? No, no, no. Well, from Steve Jobs? No. God gave this. It was his inspiration. It was his gift to men. And we have turned it to ourselves as our own gods. We are self-worshippers. I gave you a land on which you had not labored. But he asks us to be in the yoke with him, to labor, all we who are weary and heavy laden, come to me for rest. And it's his purpose that this hardship that we suffer, we inherited from our parents and they from their parents and they from theirs and theirs and theirs back to Adam and Eve. They could have had it all. We all could have had it. But because of our sin, because of our inherent willfulness, God took humanity through this. And there was a purpose for it. He allowed that to happen. To show us the substance of what sin really is. Sin is self-centeredness. And we are a people of self-centeredness. I am. You are. And we need a Savior to save us out of this syndrome that we have. Joshua had brought Israel to this place and had asked them to come together before they were to go out and inherit the land and to receive from God. But he was requiring of them a covenant. And our God is also a God of covenant. Without covenant, we are a lost people. God demonstrated that in giving his law, in asking us to follow carefully every letter of the law, to love God in our hearts so that we would be willing and able to follow him without getting ourselves mixed up and self-centered in the word. We need to be in the fear of the Lord. And so Joshua says to them, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. That's what his definition of fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Why? Because he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our time. He is worthy of our focus. And he says in verse 15, choose for yourselves whom you will serve. And then he says as a testimonial, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to our individual decisions. And we who are fathers or heads of households, or even if you're single, you have a responsibility to follow 
as for me and my house, we, I, will follow. I will serve the Lord. And that is what the gospel is all about. Will you receive this land of inheritance and follow the Lord? Will you be a follower not to get the goodies, but because you are committed to the Lord God? That, I believe, is what we are going through right now with this coronavirus. This is an opportunity for us as believers is to trust in God in spite of the inconveniences. See that he is in control and that he's the giver of life. And this pestilence, as all the plagues that we went through in our study in Revelation, were not a result of something that God invented. It came from our human sinfulness. Without Adam and Eve and without being the children of Adam and Eve, there would not have been this. But God wanted a people to follow, not because he gave them everything and spoiled them. He wanted them to trust him, to believe him, and to understand that he was a God of righteousness. The title of this section here is called The Fourfold Covenant. And I saw something here in this passage that I hadn't seen ever before. That what Joshua is saying to the people of Israel, now that the inheritance, the land was open for them to go in and claim, they are, first of all, asked to fear and serve the Lord. And the people in verse 16 come up with an answer. The people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. That sounds like a very high and noble promise, but let's follow this through and see what Joshua's insight is in why he brought this fourfold covenant to the people of Israel as they were about to go and occupy the land. Then Joshua said to them, You will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins of not following him. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you. And so they say again, the people to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. You know, it is so easy for us to give the right answer. And we need to be able to understand our own hearts in this. I'm talking to myself as well. I'm not condemning you. I'm identifying with you. And I trust you with me. We're so quick to say, no, I'll be willing to serve. And yet, we start out and within 15 minutes, we've turned aside. And the third challenge, Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen for yourself the Lord to serve him. Joshua's looking into their motivation. He's going deep for a commitment from them. And their response, 
And they said, we are witnesses. Yes, you named it. We are witnesses. We're going to do it. Just let us go and do what we want to do with this land. But there had to be, there had to be in our commitment to Jesus Christ. Remember when you first came to Christ? It was about your sin, I trust. Not in the goodies that you were going to get in being with these nice folks in the church and enjoying people just accepting you. There's a cost. There's a great cost in being a Christian. And some people right now, through what is happening in various countries, they are suffering as Christians. And we haven't been touched with that yet here in Japan that I know of. It would be easy for us to say, yeah, we are witnesses against ourselves. Yeah, this is what we mean. This is what we do. We trust in it. We're going to go ahead. Just let us go and do it, Joshua. And in the fourth point, in verse 23, Now therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. What? Did Joshua know something that we don't know? Yes. Some of those who had wandered in the wilderness for many years still had hold of those Egyptian gods in their hearts. And now going into this land, this new land, that was to be the promised land, they had finally a home. But they would take with them the wickedness of their hearts. And this is what Joshua was calling them to. But the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. Now, this would be something that Joshua probably could say, all right, you've said it four times now. I believe you. But I don't think Joshua really trusted what they said. We need to understand that we need to walk out our life with a holy God. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord, the tent of the Lord. Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. And notice he says, a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. You know, Joshua had the tribes of Israel, when they went across the Jordan River, he sent 12 men back to pick up stones out of the bottom of the river that had been uh, dammed up so that they could walk across the river on dry ground. And they took those stones and put them up as a witness. And that's what this is now the stone that Joshua picks up. Let this be a witness. It wasn't something that, okay, we signed that. Let's get on with the work now. Let's go and let's uh, just take the land. Joshua knew that it had to be something serious to the heart. That is what we're talking about. Joshua and what he was dealing with is no different than what Jesus dealt with in the New Testament and the apostles dealt with 
Nor is it any different than what we deal with here in our own homes, in our own lives, in our own communities. There has to be an understanding that it's not just, yes, we'll do it, we'll do it. It has to go to the core of our hearts in repentance and knowing that God himself will give us our inheritance. We need to trust in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for us. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim. And then Joshua's legacy is spoken of here in Joshua 24, 31-33. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. And now they buried the bones of Joseph. Remember, he had died in Egypt and he asked that when the children of Israel returned to the land, that they carry his bones back to the promised land. And they did that. And then it says, Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Aaron was the priest under Moses. Eleazar was the son of Aaron. He died as well and was buried in the hill country of Ephraim. What a story. What a understanding, I believe, of what true rest is really about. It's not about acquiring gifts and nice homes and comfortable cars and and all of this technology and these things around us while our hearts are still very hard. I'm confessing my own selfishness. That's where we need to continue to walk as Joshua. Knowing our hearts and our propensity, our inclination, our desire after things rather than the Lord himself. We have a scripture in Titus that I think appropriately describes what Joshua was seeking to instill in the hearts of the people as they went to their inheritance. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and new life and the renewing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would understand these words and we'd be able to walk in his ways. That's what Jesus Christ came for, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the gospel. And that is reflecting, I believe, what the book of Joshua is all about. It's the gospel of Joshua. Four times he says to them, unless... Unless, unless you repent and come to that place of knowing that you have to trust in the God who has been merciful, the God of Israel. He is the one 
you serve. He is the one you love. This might sound to be a harsh message, but I think it is a kind message. In these days that we are going through, let's walk in humility before our God and we will inherit the righteousness that he has promised his church. Think about these things. Don't just think about the inconveniences, but know today I can put my trust in the God of Israel. He keeps his promise. You will find rest in coming to that place. Lord Jesus, come in and make me satisfied with only you. And all these things, they pass away. But you never pass away. You are eternal. And you're the one we trust and obey and love and honor and worship. So that the things of this earth, yes, we enjoy them. But overall, the gifts of God are without repentance. The true gifts, according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's our goal. That's our goal, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how new you are in Jesus Christ. To walk with him in the knowledge of what he has given us so that we can truly find rest in him. And that's what Hebrews 4, 8 to 11 is all about. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And that is when he sends his son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world and brings us who have put our trust in him to that final resting place. For whoever enters God's rest also rests from his own work. And so this is an exercise now of preparation of our hearts and our spiritual stature of being able to rest from our works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort spending time with the Lord, listening to him, walking with him. Make every effort in the workplace. Lord, I need your help right now. I can't do this job my employer is asking me to do. Give me your wisdom. Give me your way. I rest in you. I trust you. I believe you. So that no one will fall by following the same pattern of disobedience. And if you flip over a few more pages in the next book that follows Joshua is the book of Judges. And the story does not end. Because in the passing of Joshua 
in the passing of Eleazar, the passing of the generation, Joshua's generation, that next generation in chapter 2 is picked up in the book of Judges. And they did not recognize the God who had taken them to this land. But they entered in and worshipped idols and the wickedness and the wicked ways of the people of that land. This is a life and death situation. And if I had time, I would, maybe I would do it. Let me just read through Judges. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath, here's in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who are around them. And they bowed themselves down to them, and thus they provoked the Lord to anger. Father, we come to you, a people that from the very beginning of our original parents chose wrongly. We chose for what looked good to us without consulting you. Lord, deal with our hearts. Deal with our Christian hearts. For some of us could very easily walk away, could fall away. But we pray that your church that Jesus came and brought redemption, full understanding of what he's done. All the scriptures pointing to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, we need you these days to walk with us so that we fulfill the purpose for which you saved us and brought us into a relationship with you and with one another. Bless your church, we pray. Bless your church worldwide as we begin to taste what the last book of the Bible speaks of. Give us confidence in the God of Israel. Allow us to be able to walk in holiness, not of our own holiness, but of his righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb over us, making us righteous. We still don't fully understand that. Bring us to that place where we stop striving to be good, striving to become a Christian, striving to even read our Bible or pray. But Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we come to that place where we are yours and you are ours. Fill your church we pray in Jesus' name.